and welcome to Medicine in the Kitchen, where we empower you with simple solutions to everyday health concerns. Welcome back to Medicine in the Kitchen, episode 63. Once again, I'm Felicia. And I'm Pesul, and we're your guides to empowered health. So today I'm super excited for our topic. Um, We're going to be talking about mushrooms with mycologist Jeff Chilton. Um, We're so excited to have you on our podcast, Jeff. Thank you so much for for joining us and sharing your your wisdom and knowledge. Um, Yes, oh my God, we've been looking forward to this since forever. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's great to be here and speak with you both about uh, one of my favorite subjects, mushrooms. Amazing. Yes. So if you want to kind of introduce yourself and and tell us a little bit more about what you do and and how you got into what got you into mushrooms, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Well, you well, you know what? I, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, up out in the Seattle area, and uh, Washington State is what they call the Evergreen State, and and so we have vast forests, we have big lakes and rivers, um, lots of water. What the and it rains a lot, and what that means is the climate is just kind of perfect for wild mushrooms. So. I grew up with mushrooms all around me. And then <clears throat> when I went to university at the University of Washington in Seattle, I studied anthropology because I loved learning about other cultures and how they do things. But I also took mycology courses, which is the study of fungi. So I, I put the two together during my university career and, and studied the use of mushrooms for food for medicine and also uh, for shamanic uses. And that ultimately led me to, uh, when I graduated, spending a year and a half in in the state of Oaxaca in Mexico. And then when I got back from that, um, what do you do with a degree in anthropology? Oh my God, so many jobs for that. Not. <laughs> oh, I know my parents wouldn't let me do it for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved it. I loved anthropology. And you know, look, the 60s was a time of great upheaval. We were questioning our own culture in North America. I mean, this consumer culture that was really getting started back then. And you also have to remember it was a time of war. And so we were you know, challenged by that as well. So uh, at, at any rate, um, In 1973, I went to my mycology professor and I said, well, you know, gee, I'd I'd love to learn how to grow mushrooms because I was sort of reading about that. And he said, well, look, um, there's a mushroom farm 60 miles down the road in Olympia, Washington. Go down there and and apply for a job. I did. I got a job and I was on this mushroom farm for the next 10 years, literally living with mushrooms, a very big farm growing millions of pounds of the agaricus mushroom every year. And one of the coolest things of all was that we had a Japanese scientist working for the company and he was growing shiitake mushrooms, oyster mushrooms, and enoki mushrooms. So I also got to learn how to grow these other mushrooms as well. So I loved it. It was very hard work. You know, have either of you ever been to a mushroom farm? No, I have not. I know. Isn't that interesting? I mean, you've got mushrooms on the uh, shelves of every supermarket and hardly anybody's ever been to a mushroom farm. Well, 
the reason is that most mushrooms are grown indoors. And so you would drive right by and you'd never know that they're there. They're grown indoors in climate controlled rooms because one of the things a mushroom needs to grow is a high humidity. So, so you can't grow them outside uh, uh, all year round if you live in places where at times it gets dry or it, <clears throat> so, or the temperature is not the right temperature. So it's very climate controlled. And the other thing about mushrooms and mushroom growing is that you have a, a cropping cycle. So rather than you put in your, your, your seeds, <clears throat> you grow the crop, you harvest it at the, in the fall, and that's it until the next year. No, you have crops going that are in every single stage. So every week, let's say you're putting in six or eight new crops. And at the end of the 90 day cycle, uh, you're, you're throwing out <clears throat> uh, those same eight crops. So you've constantly got this mushroom crop in every single stage of development, which means that you always have mushrooms to harvest. So on a mushroom farm, there is never a day when people aren't there harvesting the mushrooms because these mushrooms do not sleep. <laughs> they, they continue to grow and you have to be there to harvest them or else they will get a little too mature. And then instead of being a number one quality mushroom, it'll be a number two, which is still a good mushroom to eat, but it doesn't have the shelf life that you want with your number one. So it's mm -hmm. a real interesting environment, but I enjoyed it. And that really started my whole career into ultimately the business I'm in now. Actually, can I ask you a really quick question about the um, type two kind of mushrooms? Yep. So would those be like the mushrooms that you would tend to get dehydrated and put in shells as dehydrated mushrooms, or is that still the type one? And when you say type one, do you mean agaricus versus the shiitake and those? Uh, oh, no, oh, no, sorry. Sorry, many... sorry, you're talking about, okay, the ones and the twos, got you. Yes, um, yes, yes. Well, you know what? Yeah, sure, that, that would be a perfect place for them. And the other place where the number twos went to was we actually had a cannery there. So mm. number twos would go straight to the cannery and that's how they would process them there so that they didn't go to waste. And, and uh, um, you know, we tried very hard not to have very many of the number twos, but when we did, that's exactly what happened. And, and certainly uh, companies can um, dry them out as well, but that boy, that when you dry them out, that takes a, a lot more and, and it's not really well mechanized because you really have to kind of slice them up, uh, put them into a dryer of some sort, then you have to bag them and all the rest of whereas a cannery is pretty well mechanized. Have you ever seen the prices of dried mushrooms in the supermarkets? Oh, I have and I've seen them at Costco too. So that's why I was wondering like where, where do they get these mushrooms? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the prices on dried mushrooms are outrageous. I mean, it's just like, oh my God, who buys these things? I mean, I've seen them before, like $3 for maybe a little package of 15 grams. And you're just like, okay, yeah. Sometimes it's um, wild mushrooms and okay, these, they, they put a premium on those, but it's just like, no, it's, uh, it's craziness, the, the pricing they get. And then that's a subject we can cover a little later, but it's a real... <laughs> interesting interesting subject when we get to medicinal mushrooms mm -hmm. and and um the growing them and so on no that's fair that's fair i was just i was curious because i've seen people use them and personally i 
I don't like the taste of the dry one. So I was wondering if that was part of it. I, I'm with you. I don't like dry mushrooms at all. I mean, you have to reconstitute them in, in warm water and then you, you know, have you got them to where now they're waterlogged? And no, I, mm -hmm. I, I do not. Uh, um, occasionally, if I absolutely need to, I might dry a few mushrooms, but otherwise, no, I, uh, fresh mushrooms are absolutely preferable. The way to go. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. You bet. Yeah. So you kind of talked about mushroom farms, which I think is super awesome because it's not it's not really something that, like you said, people don't really see mushroom farms. So like seeing the mushrooms at the grocery store, thinking about where they come from is, um, yeah, it's super interesting to talk about. Um, yeah, yeah, well, you know, you know too, um, Felicia, the thing, when I was at the mushroom farm in 1973, classical nutritionists, you know what they said about the, the mushrooms? They said, oh, you know, mushrooms have a good flavor and, and you know, they're great as a, a garnish or as, you know, you throw them into something, but they have no food value. And I'm like, wow, oh my why God. are they saying this? And, and the reason they were saying that, believe it or not, is because mushrooms are low in calories. Mm. And, 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 and now that we have a lot more information in terms of nutritional value of mushrooms, look, mushrooms, uh, and, and when I'm talking about mushrooms now, remember one thing, and that is that every single species will have a little different nutritional profile. So I'm going to give you some ranges here. Mushrooms have 20 to 40% protein, high quality protein that has, um, all but maybe one of the um, essential amino acids. They're primarily made up of carbohydrate anywhere from 40 to 60%, but this is not starch. Mushrooms do not have starch. The carbohydrates they have are uh, trehalose and another really interesting carbohydrate called mannitol. And they're also very high in fiber. And what this means is that when you're eating mushrooms, they will be digested very, very slowly in your system. It's not like eating a, a starchy grain or something where all of a sudden your blood sugar goes way up and then it comes way down, you know, like eating a potato or bread mm -hmm. or something like that. This is a very slow acting, which is what we want. And due to the high fiber content of mushrooms, they are feeding the microbiome. So they're act, acting like a prebiotic. One of the uh, premier uh, carbohydrates in mushrooms is a polysaccharide called a beta-glucan. And this beta-glucan, which is in all mushrooms, is what is responsible for its functional or medicinal properties. And we'll talk a little bit about that as we go along. But the other thing with mushrooms is, look, they're, they're low in fat. They are high in B vitamins, B1, 2, and 3. And, and I think with B3, it's like up to 25% of your RDA. And then they, in terms of minerals, they're, they're very high in phosphorus and potassium. So overall, the nutritional profile of mushrooms is really, really good. I call mushrooms the forgotten food and the missing dietary link. We, uh, or everywhere they've done studies on diets of different populations, they're always reporting on the fact that people who eat mushrooms 
have a longer life. And I, I totally believe that. And we are just now starting to catch up with Asia, uh, Europe, in terms of our consumption of mushrooms. And today, unlike back in the 70s, today we have uh, at least six different species of fresh mushrooms in most metropolitan areas. So we're really lucky today. And, and uh, let me tell you, I, I just um, obviously love the flavor and the taste and the versatility of mushrooms. You can put them in just about anything. And one mm -hmm. final tip about mushrooms is they have to be cooked properly. Now there's lots of ways of using them. You can put them in soups, you can put them in stir fries, you can put them with eggs, you can just use them in so many ways. But if you're going to fry them, which is what I do oftentimes, be sure that you fry them at a high heat. Because what happens with this mushroom? Remember, a mushroom, like most vegetables, is 90% water. Now, if you cook those mushrooms on a low heat, all that water comes right out into the pan. And now you have these mushrooms sitting in a pool of water. And that's, you know, people are sort of uh, wondering, why doesn't my little child like mushrooms? He always says they're so slimy. And I'm like, well, they're not cooked properly. You have to cook them on a high heat. I like to uh, slice them about a quarter of an inch thick. I'll brown both sides of them on this high heat I'll use. I like to cook them in butter. People can cook them in whatever oil they want. Uh, cook them long enough. Don't undercook them. I would say a little better to have them a little longer. And that's where I like to brown them. The, the water, the moisture will stay inside the mushroom. Um, if you're just going to eat them plain, like I do a lot, I'll just a little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper, and uh, they're just absolutely delicious. Or, you know, again, you can put them in just about anything, but you really have to cook them properly. Mm -hmm. True. Nice. I mean, raw mushrooms are also great. Sorry, Felicia, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that. Just hearing you talk about cooking mushrooms and all of that sounds delicious. And with like all of the health benefits that you covered there, it I definitely see your view of them being the missing link. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, they, they, they absolutely are. That's something where I really feel like, you know, uh, mushrooms are not uh, uh, in the plant kingdom. They're not in the animal kingdom. They have their own kingdom. It sits right in the middle there. Uh, we share some attributes with mushrooms. Well, I was telling you, mushrooms uh, have no starch as their storage carbohydrate. What they have actually is glycogen, which is the same storage carbohydrate that humans produce. Mushrooms uh, do not uh, um, feed on um, carbon dioxide like plants. No, they, they, they need oxygen and then they exhale carbon dioxide like we do. So it's it's really interesting how they are sort of in the middle there and they I share certain attributes. And, and let me just give you an overview of what this organism actually is. Um, you know, it, it's so interesting because how do you grow mushrooms? They don't have any seeds. I mean, think about that for a second. When we're growing things, okay, go buy a package of seeds. <laughs> well, no, mushrooms don't have seeds. Mushroom have, mushrooms have spores. So, uh, and we don't use spores as the actual seed to grow mushrooms, but the spore in nature will uh, get on the air currents, it'll go land on the ground, it'll land on a piece of wood, 
when those spores germinate, when conditions are right, mainly when there's uh, sufficient moisture, they'll germinate into a very, very fine filament. And when multiple of those filaments come together and fuse, they'll form a network, and that network is called mycelium. Now, the mycelium is what is termed the vegetative body. That's the actual body of this organism. But, you know, have you ever sort of like walked along and go, oh, look, the, a mushroom, and you're going, that wasn't here yesterday. Well, mm -hmm. it actually was. The problem was, or the issue is, is simply it was still in its growth stages and you didn't notice it until it actually got to be a certain size it because it took about seven days to get to where you finally saw it but and you should going well where did that come from anyway i don't see a tree i don't it's not hanging off a you know any kind of plant where i can just go pick it or anything it's just coming out of the ground or it's coming out of so where does it come from well that mycelium is actually either embedded in that piece of wood uh, or it's under the ground. So when you pick that mushroom and you look where it came from and you look at the ground, you'll probably see some fuzzy white mold-like growth right there. And that is this mycelium and it's spread out. And the, what the mycelium is doing is it is breaking down organic matter, building up reserves in its vegetative body. And then when conditions are right, in the case of Pacific Northwest in the fall, when the temperature drops, but the humidity goes up. And now with a high humidity, that mushroom has the perfect environment to up it comes. And there it is, it goes through its stages. And um, as it matures, the cap will open up. Under the cap are gills. And on those gills, the spores are produced. And at that point, we have a, a completion of this life cycle. So the way to think about it is this organism that we commonly call a mushroom, this organism, fungal organism, actually has three plant parts. It has spores, it has mycelium, and it has the mushroom. And that's really important because when you go to buy a nutritional supplement, for example, it is a requirement that they tell you what plant part you're getting there. Because, for example, with ginseng, you want to get the root. With uh, ginkgo, you want to get the leaves. So every medicinal plant or herb that we are utilizing, certain parts of it is where all the active compounds are. And so that is even the same with mushrooms. And, and mushroom, this mushroom mycelium, this body, it's really interesting because you can almost think of it as like a root system. It's under the ground, it's in the wood. If you were to look at all these fine filaments that are growing there, it's really interesting, but it's kind of like a root system. And when it's time to produce a mushroom, all of the energy from the food that that mycelial network has been consuming goes right on back through this system to where that mushroom or mushrooms are growing and up they come and they're being fed by that uh, mycelial network, which again is the vegetative body and the mushroom is considered the fruiting body, but there are three main plant parts and that's really important to understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I found that fascinating when I learned that the actual mushroom is just the fruiting body and there's so much more going on underneath that. So 
for me, realizing picking the mushroom is not actually getting rid of the mushroom was, was kind of cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, it is. And, and what, what's interesting as well is, is you know, you, you could almost think of the mycelium as a tree in the sense of when we look at a tree, we go, okay, that tree is there. Um, every fall, I'm going to go out there and pick apples off that tree. Next year, I'll be able to go out and pick apples. It is the same with this mycelium, this vegetative body, as long as it has nutrients it will thrive, uh, whether it's underground or maybe it's in that wood and it's still consuming the nutrients in that wood. Maybe it's moving along through that, that log that's down or even a live tree. So as long as that uh, vegetative body has nutrients year after year, it will continue to produce a mushroom. And that's why oftentimes when you're out hunting wild mushrooms, you can have your own spots where the mushroom will come up every year. And that's why sometimes if you go out with a mushroom hunter, say, oh, yeah, well, so um, I'm going to go. I'd like to go out Saturday and go mushroom hunting, but uh, I know you're busy. Can you just tell me where you get them? Nah, I don't think I'll tell you where my mushroom spot is. <laughs> it's kind of like a big secret, right? It's like, <laughs> it's like um, you know, uh, it, because in a sense, when you go out wild mushroom hunting, it's like a treasure hunt. You're going out and, and look, in the Pacific Northwest, you're going out in these beautiful forests. It's just such a wonderful environment. Sometimes it's an old growth forest. And when you find a certain mushroom that you know is a high quality edible and it's in good condition, it is like finding treasure. It is really cool. And you know who the best mushroom hunters are at all, of all? They are small children because they're so close to the ground they can spot these things when sometimes you walk right by and not see it they'll see it that is a good point so um for those who don't know who you are are you like a mushroom hunter or what do you do with the mushrooms well you know what i've always been a wild mushroom hunter so that's something that i enjoy very much but again my background is in cultivation of mushrooms and in 19 after i left the mushroom farm um, in 1989 i started a company called namex and what i had decided at that point in time was uh, i i knew that growing mushrooms means that somebody's got to be there tending those mushrooms 365 days a year mm -hmm. you are literally like a babysitter because somebody's got to be there to harvest those mushrooms and you have to have them growing all the time because if you are in business, you're taking it to the stores like a supermarket or something. He's saying, okay, great. Be sure you bring them every week because I'm going to give you a spot out here on my shelves. So you have to be there all the time and uh, fresh mushrooms are perishable. So, so you have to get them to market right away. So I went, you know, and I had studied medicinal mushrooms and I thought, you know what? medicinal mushrooms, uh, functional mushrooms, they actually, when you put them into the supplement market, they, they are dry. And that ultimately <clears throat> can be processed into a dry powder. And that can basically sit on the shelf. It doesn't have to get to market right away. So I, I thought, this sounds like a great uh, business. And, and I thought, you know, it keeps me in the mushroom industry. I don't have to be growing them. Uh, myself per se. And so 
1989, I went to China for an international mushroom conference there. And, you know, it was just amazing to see because their mushroom industry there is just so large and so many people growing mushrooms. They have all these different research institutes. There were multiple conferences that I attended there over the 90s. Today, China grows over 85% of the world's mushrooms. Think wow. about that for a second. Over 85% of the world's mushrooms. It is incredible. So I made a lot of contacts over there during that period. And I was telling you earlier, we were talking about dried mushrooms. Well, now think about this for a second. If I take my fresh mushrooms to the market, and let's just say as a grower, I'm going to get $5 a pound. And I'm like, okay, $5 a pound. That, that's a good price I get for my fresh mushrooms. Mushrooms are 90% water. Now, if I dry out that pound of mushrooms, mm. now I have to sell that for $50 just to get the same that I would for my fresh mushrooms. So what that means is um, when you're thinking of supplements, which are dried powders or come in a dried form, that becomes very expensive to put mushrooms into the supplement market. In fact, it's literally impossible. And that's why in the U.S. or Canada, no mushrooms, actual mushrooms are grown in the U.S. and put into the supplement market. The economics do not work. And as a mushroom grower, I knew that. So that's why when I went to China, I went, man, these people are so organized. They're growing um, mushrooms all over the country. Many, many tens of thousands actually of small farmers. And so I um, got together with a number of growers in 1997. In fact, I took the largest organic certification company in the United States to China with me. And we had the very first organic certification workshop for mushrooms in China, 1997. All of our mushrooms over there are being are organically certified by German certifiers, so that was the other part of me growing mushrooms in China and processing them over there is that I wanted to absolutely be sure that these are being grown in the right manner without pesticides, without any chemicals. So we grow our mushrooms way back in the mountains in these amazing areas of China, far from the pollution. You know, a lot of people go, oh, I wouldn't touch anything from China. Well, you know what? I wouldn't touch anything from the Gulf Coast of the United States either. You know, <laughs> you know it's, it's like it really matters exactly where it's being grown. You can say, oh, yeah, I want a product produced in the United States. Yeah. Oh, and it's kind of like, oh, yeah, well, where is that actually being grown? What mm -hmm. about the, all of the agricultural chemicals that are put on our food in North America? Chemicals that you and I don't even know about at certain times, but it is like a, you know, when you're talking about and you want to start talking about chemicals, uh, whether it be pesticides or artificial fertilizers or whatever it is, hey, <laughs> there are millions of uh, pounds of this stuff being sprayed all over our food uh, in North America. That's why we have organically certified products in North America, because Many of us do not want to be consuming these chemicals, which we have no idea what the long-term effects are going to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
I agree. And a lot of the food does not come with a label that says, this is what we spray them with. <laughs> yeah. Or, or whether it's a GM or not, right? Yes. Yes. That's you true. Know? And, and these labeling issues are very important. I mean, when I buy food, uh, I'm always, always looking at the label. How, how much sugar does it have in it? How much sodium? You know, what, what is actually in this? How many ingredients does it have? You know, mm -hmm. it's like, it's like, um, uh, I like ice cream. I go and I, I will look at the uh, ingredients and sometimes there's like three ingredients. And I'm like, that is fantastic. Other times I'm looking at it, it's eight or 10 ingredients. I'm like, what is going on here? You know, and like and half of them are just chemicals and you're like, I have no idea what you are. Exactly, exactly. And so it's just so important. And, and that's why for me and my company, we have always been organically certified. And I totally, totally believe in it. And the other thing about the products that we manufacture is that every single batch that we make, we test it for pesticides. We test it for heavy metals. We do a complete microbiological panel on it. So we know there's no E. coli, coliforms, bacteria, whatever. So the testing that we do on our products is really, really comprehensive. And that's one of the things about uh, what my company does compared to most others, we have quality standards that are very, very important. And, and, you know, getting back to the whole thing of supplements in the United States, one of the issues I've really pushed back on is due to the fact that these, um, you can't grow mushrooms in the United States and, and sell them into the supplement market. What some companies have done, they've actually grown mycelium and they, sell that in the market but what they do is they grow this mycelium on grain sterile grain do you know do you guys know what uh, a tempeh is yes yeah do you know how it's made not fully i believe it's uh fermented tofu like soybeans kind of perfect it is fermented soy and how it's made is they cook the soybean uh, so, and actually these, the soybeans are, are cracked. So there's both halves of it. They cook the mm -hmm. soybean and then they inoculate it with fungal mycelium. Mm -hmm. So if you're eating tempeh, you're actually eating mycelium. It's cool. It's really great. I, I mean, temp, I've got some tempeh in the refrigerator right here. I just bought some the other day. I mean, it's really a cool food. It's, it's a very common food out in Indonesia, but <laughs> it's not a mushroom. It's not does not have the medicinal properties that you will get from a mushroom, but companies in the United States manufacture this tempeh-like product. They will grow out mycelium of shiitake or maitake or something for 30 to 60 days. They will end up with a block-like tempeh. Then they will uh, harvest it, dry it, grind it to a powder, grain and all because they're growing this out on rice or oats or something they'll they'll grind it to a powder grain and all and what happens is rather than having a lot of fungal matter which means you've got a good amount of beta glucans it will be mostly starch and can you imagine they're selling this product calling it mushroom and it ends up mostly being starch with very little fungal matter in it and it is just hmm. craziness that that is going on. But I would say probably half the supplements in the, the U.S. are mostly starch and not mushroom, even though they're being sold as mushroom. 
Does that include like the mushroom teas as well? Mushroom teas? Yes. Well, you know what? If you can actually see the mushroom pieces, then you're going to be okay with the tea. But if it's just a powder and if it says made in the U.S., chances are it is one of these grainy products. And look, I know there's some companies out there that, that uh, which I won't name, which put out uh, a lot of different tea type beverages uh, based on mushrooms. I know one company that's fairly well known that is, um, I would say is a, a relatively good company, but I know another, probably the most popular company out there in the supplement market that puts out a full line of so-called mushroom products. And it's just this myceliated grain tempeh like product. And, and I, I did a study back in 2015 where I, I, use the beta glucan test to test dried mushrooms, which I used as a baseline, um, then mushroom extracts, which we produce. And then I bought 40 different supplement products right off the internet, tested them all. These products that were uh, this tempeh like mycelium on grain had a beta glucan amount of about 5%. And then the alpha glucan, which is the starches was 30 to 60%. That's just the opposite of what you would have in a mushroom. A mushroom is 30 to 60% beta-glucan and less than 5% of the alpha-glucan starches, which is where the glycogen comes in, very amounts, low amounts of that. So they were just the opposite of what you would be expecting. They didn't have any of the beta-glucans in, in an amount that you are looking for. And not only that, if you're a paleo person, or if you're somebody who's really into, maybe you don't eat grains and, and you're buying these mushroom products and thinking, okay, yeah, great. I've got a mushroom product. And it turns out that no, it's mostly starch. I mean, it is really deceptive uh, advertising. And so I'm always telling people, look, be sure to look at the label on your supplement make you know and and it'll say mushroom on the on the front panel but turn it over look the supplements facts if it says mycelium well and if it says made in the usa well you want to question it yeah, oh yeah and if you look in the in the little fine print where it says other ingredients some of these companies will put uh myceliated rice myceliated oats or something like that okay, now you know for sure. But there's a lot of companies that won't do that and, and they won't even let you know what's actually in there. And they will just be claiming it's a mushroom when it's not. So you have to be very, very careful. It's always really good to read the label and that's really fascinating, I guess. Um, is there also a difference between all those and the tinctured like mushrooms? Is that one like the better option? I'm not a big fan of the tinctures, and I'll tell you why. The majority of them are really watered down. Mm. You're, it's not, not a very good uh, purchase when you compare what you're getting in that little tincture bottle. I mean, I don't know. So, you know, it, it's such a small amount ultimately. And then you look at what you'd be getting in a, a normal supplement and all the material there. There, there are uh, only a couple of tincture companies that I would recommend. The majority, I would say, look, if, if you're getting it in, it's kind of a semi-clear, maybe it's a little bit colored liquid. It is very watered down because they have to put uh, alcohol in there. Uh, to as at least 30% alcohol in most of those tinctures and uh, just to preserve what's in there. 
And, and the rest is not like you're getting, okay, pure herb or mushroom in the rest. No, not at all. So, so I really do not recommend those. I think they're way, way overpriced. And, you know, some people will, will take a dropper full or something. They go, oh, gee, it, it really tingles. It feels like something. Well, yeah, that's the alcohol. So, <laughs> so really, no, I, 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 I always say avoid the tinctures and go for the powder, which is a much better uh, purchase. Okay, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, would you say kind of the powder is, is the best way to get medicinal benefits from mushrooms? Well, you know what, I, I would say yes. And then a couple of things, you know, one of the things, one of the selling points of tinctures is, oh, you, you put it in your mouth and it goes boom, you, you know, it's really fast acting and all of that. Well, you know what, it, it's not fast acting if there's nothing there. Um, the, the powder, I mean, the powders that we sell, I mean, when you grind something to a fine powder, it is very bioavailable. You know, it's the difference between, let's say, let's just say as an example, you've got a piece of meat. You, you take a bite, you uh, chomp on it three or four times and swallow it. I mean, talk about something that's not bioavailable. God, you know, it's like the more surface area you've got on any food when you're chewing. And that's why, why we'll always hear uh, nutritionists, for example, saying, chew your food, chew it up really well. I mean, and none of us do, but we do our best. Uh, mm-hmm. um, but that's, that's the same with, you know, in my opinion, like with a, with, a, with a powder, in a sense, that powder has been pre-digested for you. So now you've got something that is really, with all that surface area, going to act fairly quickly once you get it down and, and it starts acting. And, and that'll, that'll be um, uh, into your digestive system and working within 30 to 60 minutes. So, but, but you know, the one of the things I, I'd like to stress about functional mushrooms and if you're taking them as a supplement is is don't look at it as oh gee i feel a cold coming on i'd better take a couple of my you know mushroom extract pills or something like that that's Mm -hmm. not how it works at all i mean one of the things i loved about the the name of your podcast medicine in the kitchen god you know the the our diet is the foundation of our health and and one of the things that i love is food as medicine and so when i saw the the podcast name i just thought man you you two really have got it figured out because <laughs> that that is what it's <clears throat> all about and and so i look at mushrooms in the same way get them into your diet and then if you want to supplement Okay, it's just going to be like um, you're taking vitamin C, you're taking vitamin D, you're taking some other supplement. You have to just incorporate that into your health regime because what's going to happen is that as you continue to take it, it's just there sitting in the background helping you cope. And that's the whole point behind these beta-glucans. They are there to potentiate your immune system. And boy, you know, we all need a strong immune system. There's so many forces out there that are working and compromising us in some way. And what we want to do is we want to be able to maintain our immunity through a good diet, exercise, um, 
uh, a, a positive outlook, being somewhere where you've got fresh air, you've got good, good, clean water. There's so many things that go into it. But again, supplementation, it's no different than taking that vitamin D or vitamin C. And the reason we do that, of course, is that, you know, when we take vitamins, we're saying, well, yeah, I'm not sure whether I'm getting enough vitamins from my diet. And of course, that's where you really want to focus. You want to focus on the diet, getting you all the nutrients uh, uh, and minerals and vitamins that you need. But sometimes maybe you're in a place like uh, if you're living in the north, uh, northern zones, you're not getting enough vitamin D. I mean, vitamin D, think about how important that is. I've got so many articles about vitamin D and uh, the scientific benefits of vitamin D. It's and so important. It mm -hmm. is so important. I mean, even with COVID, they've shown that so many people are deficient in it when they end up in the hospital, things like that. It's like, yes, and, and we do not get enough we're, when we're in the northern climates. And you think, oh, yeah, well, I'm out in the summer and all that. It's still, the, the rays we get in the summertime are still not as direct as they'll be getting in other latitudes. So we're still not getting as much as we necessarily need. And not only that, people may be going out in the sun, and I'm getting lots of sun. Yeah, it's not penetrating that sunscreen you've got on. So, so you know, and, and otherwise, a lot of times you might just be covering up because you're like, oh, gee, it's too hot, or I don't want to get too much sun exposure or something like that. So, so it's very important um, to, to understand all that. And again, this gets back to, to mushrooms and the fact that when you're supplementing with mushrooms, you, you're supplementing and you're just putting them into your normal supplement regimen, just like you would be supplementing with a vitamin C or a D or some other supplement where you go, oh, gee, I, I really need to be taking calcium and magnesium or, or some mineral like that. So that's how you really have to look at it. Do not listen to these touts out on the internet that are just like, or, or, you know, I read sometimes the reviews on Amazon and that person is saying exactly what I said before. Oh yeah, I took this product. It's wonderful. I took it today because I had a cold coming on today. I feel wonderful and great and all of that. Do not listen to that. And, and the other thing about the net these days is, oh my God, the hype out there, you know, and now that mushrooms are kind of trending, you have companies that are just talking about, you know, for example, chaga. Mm -hmm. Chaga is now the new panacea. Is there anything that chaga doesn't do? It's the king of mushrooms. Get your chaga. And it's just like, man, I don't like that kind of talk. It is just so um, unfortunate that companies do that and, and just make these wild claims. There's nothing that chaga can't cure. And it's been used for thousands of years and on and on and on. And I'm just like, please stop it. <laughs> I think the not... same is being said about like Reishi and Lion's Mane. And I'm like, guys, come on, get, get your research before you start talking about these things. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you have to cut through the marketing hype and you have to just look at the research. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, look, there are, lots of scientific papers on the whole category of functional mushrooms that demonstrate activity on so many different levels against so many different illnesses. But again, those primarily are in vitro 
or in vivo tests, in vitro is uh, tests in petri plates and test tubes and things like that. And so you can see that activity. That doesn't mean that we, when we consume those, that we're going to get the same effects. And that's why some people, oh, it, well, there's a hundred different diseases that it's going to cure. No, that is incorrect. That's why for me, I'm like, I focus on just two or three of what I consider the primary benefits. Number one is absolutely immunological potentiation. And that's where your top five or six mushrooms really come in. Lion's mane, I would say, okay, there seems to be some really good benefits there for cognition, for memory. They've demonstrated that. Think about that when you're, when you're taking lion's mane. Cordyceps used primarily for fatigue, lack of energy. Okay, let's, let's talk about that with the cordyceps. Remembering all the while that these top functional mushrooms also will give you immunological potentiation, which helps in an overall sense for your health and for these challenges that we get from whether it be other microorganisms, something in our environment, or maybe we've got, you know, mental health issues that are challenging our health and bringing us down. But these are all, um, in a sense, uh, a very specific, and I like to keep it that way, chaga, <clears throat> for example, chaga has been used for hundreds of years for uh, stomach issues, alimentary canal. Somebody has uh, irritable bowel syndrome or Crohn's disease. I say, well, try chaga. Maybe it will help. Last thing I will ever do is say, it will absolutely cure this. It will absolutely cure that or definitely this or that. No, not at all. We do not make claims like that whatsoever. But there are certain areas where I feel, yes, this is an area where it can be beneficial for you. First thing I tell people though, put it into your diet. Get it in mm -hmm. as a food before you even think about supplementing. Mm -hmm. Which I think is one of the best ways to get your actual nutrients. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I firmly believe in that. I mean, I firmly believe in the concept as let food be your medicine. And, and if you have a good diet and you're eating the right foods, you're, you've got a great foundation. And, and that's where the diet is just a foundation to good health. And, and, you know, the issues that we face in North America is this diet of processed foods, mm -hmm. which is just ruining the health of people, absolutely ruining the health of people. Mm -hmm. No, I totally agree. Yeah, the the processed food, I I could get into a whole nother podcast <laughs> on that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it's just like, you know, it's like going to a supermarket and, and you just kind of look down some of the lanes there and you're just like, oh, my God, what are they selling here? Is it you even know, food? <laughs> well, well, yeah. In many cases, it's, it's going to do you damage. It's not going to be a good nutrient for you. It's going to do you damage. I mean... Uh, I, I love smaller markets. Uh, I love places that sell a lot of organic produce, uh, uh, markets that are, are bringing in a lot of organic products. That's what I love. You know, you know it's, the, it's kind of like um, 
spending your money and who you're going to support with your dollar. That to me is the other issue here. You're going mm -hmm. to support small business or you're going to support big business. I mean, God, the number of people I know that shop at Costco or something like that. I'm just like, God, why do you do that? Why do you support those big corporations? I mean, it's like, God, support small business, support the, you know, go to the farmer's markets. We, where I'm living right now, we've got amazing farmer's market every Sunday and we go down to that. We'll buy our vegetables. Uh, they even have fresh mushrooms down there. We, you know, uh, <clears throat> it's just so wonderful to be dealing directly with the producer of the food itself so that's something too that i really recommend people support are those uh, farmers markets and, and also you know there's another a good reason why you don't always want to be buying something just because you can you know something's out of season where we live and you're oh yeah but i can still buy this whatever because it's coming from halfway around the world you know i'm getting apples from new zealand it's like oh my god <laughs> mm -hmm. why why are we getting apples from new zealand mm -hmm. and even the the small markets it's there's just there's such a sense of community there too which has health benefit as well and and buying something directly from the producer is just so satisfying i i love going to the market and having the person be excited about their product it's mm -hmm. really nice Oh yeah. Yeah. It's fun for me too, because when I'm, you know, going and, and the, there's the person producing the mushrooms and it's just a very small producer. And, and so I get to talk to them about mushrooms and, and they're kind of like, God, we hardly ever get anybody that knows anything about mushrooms <laughs> talking about it here. So they're, they're really, uh, um, uh, open to, you know, a conversation with somebody that knows something about it. And, and, you know, look, being a small mushroom producer, I mean, like any, small producer of uh, vegetables or, or fruits or whatever it is it's a, it's really tough because you end up making about five dollars an hour if you're lucky when you're growing it it's just it's just you know until you get up to a certain scale you're not making any money it's just a labor of love and, and that's a wonderful thing too you're buying products from people who do it out of love for what they're doing mm -hmm. as it probably should be as it should be rather than you know, machines, they're talking now about uh, uh, machines that are going to be harvesting the grains and all these other things that don't even have a person driving the machine. It's just out there and it's like a drone and you just send it out to the field. Okay, I'm going to sit at home and I'm going to send my drone out there to harvest all these different things. And you're just like mechanized uh, industrial agriculture or animal husbandry or whatever it is. It is absolutely the wrong path to take because it takes us away from the earth getting our hands in the in the dirt and being out amongst where our food is being produced which is just such a wonderful feeling to mm -hmm. be there with the plants and, or animals like a like a good farm like right next door to where i'm living right now believe it or not uh, my neighbor's got this amazing organic garden and he's got his chickens that are out there running through the garden all the time. It's just beautiful. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. And I, I love chickens. I've had chickens before and they're just a really interesting, fun and friendly animal. And I feel that we have become like already disconnected enough as it is with our food. 
that maybe, you know, adding robots to this is not the best idea. We should definitely start including more uh, gardens and schools and teaching children where our food comes from and getting that connection back again. But um, I have actually a question for you as well. I sent this video to Felicia a while back, so I don't know if she sent it to you. But there was this little YouTube, no, not YouTube, sorry, Instagram clip about mushroom music. So I don't know if you heard about it. Well, well, what's it about? I, I don't know. They connect these little probes to the mushrooms, little uh, tops, and the energy from the mushroom creates little music. So I, I was wondering if you've ever heard of that or seen it happen before. I, I've never heard of it. And I, I would, you know, probably say, well, you know, it's one of those things I would have to be right there and see what's going on. But it sounds... So, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, I suppose if you had the sensitive enough instruments, you could probably connect the electrodes to whatever plant or, or animal or something. And, and maybe it would create some kind of a vibration, which could be turned into a, a musical wave and, and produce something. But no, I haven't seen that. And uh, no, that's, that's uh, pretty. That's new to you. Pretty, <laughs> Yes, it's new to me exactly. I mean, I mean, it's like, look, I've lived with mushrooms. Uh, they never sang to me, uh, but I, I did have a very strong relationship to them. No question about it. And and they're they're such a fascinating organism. And being a mushroom grower is just such a a fun thing. That's why so many people out there are are interested in growing small crops of mushrooms and, and some people scale up a little bit and get to where they're in a farmer's market or something. And, and yeah, it, it's, it's become much more than it used to be where, where nobody would really be growing mushrooms outside of the large commercial producers. And, and yet at the same time, there's always these kind of fantasies of, Oh yeah, I'm, I, I'm thinking about growing mushrooms in my basement. <laughs> and, you know, the, the funny thing is, is that, um, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, why is that? Well, you know, it's dark and it's damp and all that. Well, the, the agaricus mushroom, the button mushroom, does not need light to grow, but almost every other mushroom needs light to grow. They don't like direct sunlight especially if it's drying out but you know i mean if it's direct sun and the temperature is lower and and there's a high humidity it's not a problem but uh, direct sunlight means they will actually dry out and they won't grow because they're just inhibited um, but they do need light to grow it's very important so you know um that that's something that that you need and and of course the reason why they grow it indoors uh in uh commercial operations in North America is simply to control all of the, they need fresh air. They, they give it the optimum temperature for optimum growth. The interesting part about uh, when we grow our mushrooms in China, we still do it very naturally. We, we uh, grow them in greenhouses and we don't have any environmental controls. We just grow them according to the seasons. So when the, when the, uh, uh, it's warm during the summers, that's when uh, reishi mushrooms will grow. And then we harvest them the first week of September, but growing shiitake, maitake, most of the others, they need cooler temperatures. So we don't grow them until um, the fall. And then we harvest those in November when the temperatures are, are much cooler than, than with the uh, reishi mushrooms. So it's a very natural way that we grow our mushrooms, which is something that I totally appreciate. I mean, when I was uh, the 
growing a production manager on this large farm. Well, when I'd go through our mushroom houses, I was just walking into one large uh, dark warehouse after another. And, and believe it or not, at that point in time, we actually used miners' lights to go in. So I'd go in and I have this miner's lamp that I would be shining around to be able to walk through these, uh, where, where we have these uh, uh, very long beds. And in each one of these beds where we've got the mushrooms growing there and there are literally in like one house, there would be a million mushrooms. And, and think about this too. Every single mushroom you have ever eaten has been picked by hand. Wow. By hand. Think about that. I mean, almost, you know, so many different fruits and vegetables now, they're, they're harvested by uh, some kind of machinery. But no, I mean, you can see it out there uh, uh, on the Internet. You can see videos of people in these houses and they're in there. And uh, in some cases, they'll have a miner's lamp. In some cases, they, they now have lights on the walls but sometimes in the middle aisles of these places you need more light so they're in there and they are literally pulling them out of the the uh, um, substrate that they're growing out of and then they're snipping off the bottom in the case of agaricus and then placing them into a container and then grabbing a few more man they're picked by hand that is, that is labor intensive but it's wonderful sorry felicia you were saying something yeah, no, basically just what you were saying. Yeah, that's that's been that's amazing. It is amazing. It's totally amazing. They've actually developed a machine now in Holland where they do a lot of mushroom research that does harvest mechanically. But you have to remember that what happens is on that mushroom bed, and this is with agaricus again, there are mushrooms in every stage of development. So if you came down that bed and sliced everything off, not only would you get the mature mushroom, but you'd also get all of these little baby mushrooms and you'd be slicing through the, the caps, you'd be slicing all over again. So it's very hard to actually get a mechanical harvester and they've, they've been working on it. Uh, but even if you did get a mechanical harvester, it would be only with a specific system of growing the mushrooms and it'd be very expensive and very mechanized. And so, so now they still actually uh, harvest uh, by hand and, and have been doing so you know, ever since they started growing mushrooms. I feel like there's so much to talk about. And if you don't mind, we would love to have you back again some other time to keep talking about this because, oh my goodness, there's so much I never knew <laughs> that happened behind the scenes. <laughs> sure, I, I'd be more than happy to come back whenever you want to reschedule it. Thank you, thank you. Like, this, this has been so amazing. Honestly, I, my mind has been blown about so many other things. But, like, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, you, it'll give you some uh, food for thought. And yes, then you for sure. think about uh, what other areas you, you want to go into, because certainly there's, there's lots to talk about, no question about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much. It looks like we're, we're kind of at the end here, time to wrap up. But that, yeah, that was fantastic. I learned so much. and especially about the the different parts of the mushroom and their different benefits that was that was pretty uh, yeah i never really thought about that before yeah well I, I mean you know let's face it like i say it's a forgotten food and again i consider it the missing dietary link and and i i really like to uh, educate people to mushrooms and their uh, how they grow and 
what this organism is uh, made of and, and also the, the benefits of it, whether it's nutritional or as a functional uh, ingredient or functional food. So yeah, thank you so much for having me on and we can even go like, okay, this is just part one, part two is coming. Oh, it's for sure. Part one. (laughs) (laughs) And I think honestly, I think we have the title of the episode, the forgotten food. I love it. Yes. Oh, I love that. Yes. I like that title, the forgotten foods or the missing Missing dietary link. (laughs) Yes. Um, Amazing. Thanks so much. Sorry. Uh, We will be back in two weeks to talk about another fun episode and you can support us on our podcast by donating one dollar on our coffee page or more uh, it's ko-fi.com slash medicine in the kitchen it's all together you can rate comment and follow us on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your podcast from invite your friends to join our community and improve their health you can follow us on our social media sweet nutritionista and felicia senza nd and Jeff, where can people find you? Well, if you want to come to our website, it's namex.com, N-A-M-M-E-X.com. We have a, an area that's got, we've got an education menu. I've got lots of cool slideshows that show how our mushrooms are being grown and a lot of other information about the functional mushrooms. And then we also have a retail brand called Real Mushrooms, and you can go realmushrooms.com and realmushrooms.com also has a lot of really, really great um, educational material. So if you're a naturopath, a practitioner of any kind, fabulous in-depth information at the Real Mushroom site as well. Amazing. Thanks so much. I I know I will definitely be spending some time on that site. Um, Same. Perfect. (laughs) We will be posting bi-weekly. Thanks for joining us. Uh, See you next time and happy healing.